Hi, this is Jesse with Red Cloaks Radio. Very excited. Today is November 18th, big day in Massachusetts, and have a fantastic guest. Kristen Strazo is with us, who is a city councilor in Somerville. Hello. Hi. Hi. It's I'm delighted to be here. What a day. I don't know if you were watching or listening to the Senate today. So how did you follow the process? Uh, email. <laughs> I awesome. Am, I have, Great. My two children uh, at home, so I am I am I have my little schoolhouse at home while the children are in class. So I follow what I can and work between that. And I'm delighted that it, that we have positive news and it's a, it's a, it's a good win. It really is. So we're going to spend some time today talking about your role in, in Somerville as a city councilor. Really excited to hear how you've been able to have some influence on talking about reproductive justice in your role. What is that like? Thank you. Well, I feel, I feel like municipal decisions with reproductive justice are underutilized. And I think there's a lot we can do at a municipal level, and I am fully committed to doing it. And I have a lot of, um, my wheels are just, my, gr- my, my gears are grinding, and I, I'd really like to collaborate with a bunch of, of activists and women's uh, groups to really see what we can do, because I think there's a lot. I think we have to become more direct in the reproductive, reproductive justice movement. I've been an activist for, for decades on this. And now it's very um, <laughs> humbling and yet almost discombobulating at times that, that I'm now a, a city councilor. So from the activist angle and now as a, an elected official, it's, it's completely unique. But yet at the same time, I feel like we can make a lot of decisions for all of us. When you think about that line, sort of like behind the desk, in front of the desk, I'd love to explore that in conversation because it's really true when you're on the activist side and then you run for office because you're going to make a difference. You do find there's these things on the other side of the table that become more difficult sometimes. Yeah. Not so easy because you you have different relationships with your colleagues, potentially with staff. I'm sure you have to work with your mayor and you have to spend time and energy developing and understanding all those different people's perspectives. I agree with you. And I come from a feminist punk rock background. So I've cool. I've been singing about this for decades and just performance art and reproductive justice specifically in punk bands. So so now I, I, I don a suit and I schlep up to you know talk about these issues. I think they're vitally important. Now, Somerville is a progressive community. I would say we make a lot of progressive decisions, but at the same time, we have to really consider that Massachusetts is a, is a purple state and we still have to fight hard for a lot of, a lot of our communities and, and the fact that we have so much fight left to do. And, and I, I said a little earlier, I think we need to be more direct. And what I mean by that is I really think we have to, our opponents aren't afraid of us and our opponents, I think for so long, we've in the, in the reproductive justice movement, we've been playing a lot of defense to their offense. They try to score goals. They try to score goals. We block them. We block them. We block them. But we're not making any goals. We're not making any offense decisions. Like today, the, the decisions in the state house and the Roe Act, that's a great offensive move. And that's a great step. We need like 200 more, 200 more steps. And we need them now. And so I really press the urgency on that. Here I am a city councilor, you know, I really feel like there's a lot we can do at a municipal level. And we really need to start having these conversations. In six months, I want to talk to you again about hopefully some progress we've made with that. But right now, um, I'm fully committed to, to 
getting right in there, rolling up my sleeves and doing this. I'm six months into my job. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Well, and sometimes you really need the fresh person who's coming in, who's got a more recent look at you know, the granular level of life on the street with, with families, with jobs, with neighbors, figuring out how to like get the snow off your sidewalk. You really need someone to come in who's just been dealing with that more recently. That kind of freshening up of policymakers is really critical. So when you brought forward, um, for people who are listening and don't know, you brought forward actually a resolution at your city council on the ROW Act. That yes. seems very innovative to bring it right there. It certainly impacts people in their daily life. What is your process like? Can any counselor bring forward a resolution or do you need permission to do it? Yes. In Somerville, us being more progressive, I know that we're in a, a friendly climate for something like that. But even if it wasn't, I still would bring it forward. I think it's important that I specify and also and recognize from my constituents that what they do with their bodies is, I respect that and it's their choice. And we need to really, I think there's a lot of value in, in making that kind of proclamation. It is, and it also feels like it's breaking the ice and having the conversation. So for people yeah. to talk out loud about abortion, it's just not comfortable and it won't get comfortable until more people do it. I know I'm a big fan of the Shout Your Abortion hashtag campaign. It's definitely a different approach. I can't, I think there's a lot of my relatives, aunts, uncles, who can't even imagine that such a thing would exist. But unless, unless we have the conversation, we have silence. That's not worked out very well. I love, I love your, I, I love your thoughts on that. And I, and I really value your, um, just how you're bringing a normalcy to it that I think still a lot of women and, and couples still just can't get to yet. And I really respect that. And I feel like for so long, for so many decades, and even now, it depends on what region of the country you're in. There's so many people that are dancing on tightropes about not wanting to offend anybody, not wanting to hurt anybody's feelings about the conversation, but it's not really our choice to really, we don't have to worry about what people, like, you know, like right. these are truths we're speaking. There's nothing wrong in that. That's right. And it's one in four women in her lifetime between 15 and 40 something will end up having an abortion. So it's, it's not rare. It's really not. Now, the other thing that really caught my eye in your work is you have been speaking directly about the importance of processing rape kits. And I think this is something that not enough people talk about. So I'm interested in you know, what you're doing about it and how it came to your attention. Thank you for, thank you very much for, for bringing attention to that. I think it's very important. Even before I was a city councilor, I did a lot of work on the, the Somerville Commission for Women as the co-chair and pushed a lot of work for domestic violence prevention and uniting women of all, all, all of us, 80,000 in Somerville, collectively, not all of us, 80,000 participants are not just women. But with the processing the rape kits, I started with just an information request from our police department. We hear about, we hear about rape kits throughout the country being shelved and never tested. And for any woman that has endured a rape kit, from what I understand, it is not a pleasant process. And it's also, it's a lot to endure. And so I can't comprehend the thought of, of, of a woman going through that or a, a rape victim going through that. And then it just being stored on a shelf. So I put in an information request to find out the last five years of rape kits, how, where they tested, where did they go? What happened to them in Somerville? I found out a lot of information from that, meaning got the numbers back quickly from the chief. And I'm, I'm grateful to say he was really responsive. And then he told me the process. And so then it goes to, we're in Middlesex County. It goes to Middlesex County. 
And then the, the district attorney, Mary Ryan, called me and uh, told me that she'd get back with the information from the state lab. Now, I do have more information on that and, and we'll be reporting it. Every single step I've been reporting to the city council because the public needs to know. We need to know what's happening here. And aside from rape kits not being processed and just how a debasement that is, also, the research states that serial rapists, a lot of a lot of rape kits that are unprocessed, a lot of them are serial rapists and serial rapists that go on to commit other crimes as well. So this is a, a completely community process that should never be devalued, even if you can't get the fact that this is affecting rape victims, which is terrible. But there are other implications in this. So, okay, back to the rape kits. So our rape kits are processed here in Somerville and they, they, they do go on to the state. And then I wanted to find out, well, how many are processed and how many at the state crime lab, how many are used in court cases and how, what happens from there? The data is a lot longer of a conversation than our podcast. Unfortunately, we can pick this up again, but the big takeaway I gained from the experience of the conversation with the district attorney in the, in the crime lab is that a lot of people that come forward with saying that they were raped, don't always get a rape kit. And that is what is crushing to me, is that most um, accusations of rape go un unprocessed, un not unprocessed, but un um, uncharged. So we need to figure out where the gap in that is. And I understand that if a rape happens, that the last thing, there's a, there's, that the last thing a rape victim wants to do is head over to a hospital and go through the rape kit process. They may, she may be in, she or he sometimes he can be in such shock that this is too much to bear. But at the same time, there's valuable data that's lost in that too. So we need to get rid of that disconnect. So at a city council level, I want to know, we have Tufts University with us in our, in our city. We have a portion of Tufts with us. I want to know how we can connect with our incoming students. How can we, how can we continue that communication to talk about the value of that? And also rape kits, people that come into rape kits are charged, the hospital charges them sometimes. And wow. that's unacceptable. So at a yeah. state level, I want to find, and, and by the way, there, there is an attorney general's, um, an attorney general's fund that should cover that cost. I don't want that to ever happen. I don't want a rape victim to ever have to worry about being charged for a rape kit in a hospital emergency room. That is unacceptable. And at a state level, I'm ready to, to talk further about that and find out how can we never, ever, ever, ever let those two paths cross. That makes so much sense. It's something I had not been aware of, but it feels like if you've already been victimized, you don't need to pay for the part that is not only, you know, yes, maybe you will see justice in your lifetime, but collecting the database of serial rapists is really important because that's a public service. That's something that the victim is actually doing that may help them, but it's also potentially going to help other people who they'll never meet or know about. And the only way to collect that data is really by having those kits. So it's certainly it's got to be something that is paid for and free. You walk in, you get your kit, you're doing a service by being there and you've already suffered enough. Hi, Kamala, how are you? I see you're joining us now, welcome. Hi. <laughs> Sorry, I'm late. 
Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you for your work. Thank you. Kristen, as we think about, you're talking to maybe incoming college students as well who are going to be in Somerville and could potentially need this knowledge. I'm also thinking about even high school students and how they learn in health class, you know, about giving consent, what that means, and to even to know if you are in fact a victim, this is something that, that is out there as an opportunity. I'm not certain that that is understood by everybody. Oh my God. Bravo. That's brilliant. And, and that's where we need to go. That's right. That's, that's, that's creating the foundation. And, and when I was with the women's commission, we did a lot of talk about and how to, to connect that body autonomy and consent talk and consent. Um, we worked on uh, pushing the school district to do district to do consent training for children about that body autonomy, very young, um, getting that curriculum into the schools, but that is absolutely tied. You're totally right. And I am totally on board. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is why it's so great. Like one thing we found is the pandemic has made it really difficult to do certain things, but then other doors have opened. So in the process of waiting for the Roe Act to move forward over almost a full two years, we have made better connections across the state. And so part of what caught my eye about your initiative and leadership on taking a look at unprocessed rape kits is the more people know across the state that someone is working on this, the easier it would be for people to learn from what you learn. So what I'm taking away is, first of all, people can make a public records request wherever they are. They can either, if they're comfortable, probably just do it by themselves under Freedom of Information Act and find out. Um, so we'll wanna ask you what they should ask or if you weren't feeling comfortable doing it by yourself, you could possibly find a local elected official, share this concern with them, and then they could possibly be more comfortable asking for you. So what exactly would someone who's listening, what should they ask for if they wanna to begin to understand what's going on in, in their town or city? Well, I mean, I don't wanna cause more work for other elected officials, but I would personally go right to them and then my <laughs> state or town select person and that's where I would start. Um, of course, we are a varied commonwealth with varied um, value systems. So that may or may not go well, but at the same time, we still have senators and state reps, but uh, at a local level, I would start there. And I would, I would ask my um, city councilor or et cetera, I, I, I put in an order like the way that my process was, I put in the order for the, the Somerville Police Department to respond to this request of um, specifics count. I wanted the last five years of how many rapes happened in Somerville, how many rape kits were collected in Somerville. And then please tell me the process of what happens next. Yes, you can go through FOIA, but to me, I think a lot of constituents and and um, people may be like, well, okay, how do I get the FOIA? What do I, how do I get the information request? Or where do I go? I, I think it's easier. That's why I think streamlining to your elected official is the faster way to get it done. Um, of course you need more of, uh, like we have to talk about the value system. And if you guys have someone who's going to try to buck you on that, well, that's a problem too. But at the same time, then, okay, we have to remember we can raise our voices. We have local papers. We have we have other right. other direct routes if we don't feel like we're being heard. 
And in 2020, we hold our elected officials accountable and, and can make sure that they understand that uh, they work for their constituents. Um, could you tell me how we could share this information if we can learn about it in other towns? Like if I want to start something in Arlington or other towns, how do I do it, share it with the district attorney? District attorneys are elected officials too, and they have a job to you as well. And calling them, calling the office or emailing the office um, and talking to their staff and asking for that information is helpful. And you can CC your uh, elected officials on that if you, if you feel the need or your uh, state reps or your, your state senator. I would do that. Okay. May I say it's always nice when you're polite. It's always <laughs> nice when <laughs> for our listeners, it, it does go a little bit longer. I, it, it's come as you are, of course, but at the same time, it's, it's nice to be just uh, talk to nice sometimes because we're all doing the best we can. So we can go to other towns and learn about it, right? Okay, so so like in Somerville, once we. Now, the way that rape kits work in Somerville, any rape that happened and was reported in Somerville, the police are res responsible for picking up that rape kit. So it doesn't matter where the person lived. If the rape happened in Somerville, the police get it. They are responsible for picking it up to the hospital. They are responsible for transporting. There's a specific amount of time for them to transport that rape kit. So yeah, that, that data is, so is, is valuable for anybody in the, in the Commonwealth, right? And then from there, it goes to our district attorney, our Middlesex district attorney. So then it would go for whatever district you are in their, their district attorney's office. I think that, like the process was a little easier for me because I wasn't ready to let it go. But at the same time with, with say for instance, um, other communities, I would definitely, if, if it becomes an issue to reach out to, for allies, but don't give up. Meaning there are other women groups. You know, we have a, a state uh, women's commission and we have county women's commissions as well. There are plenty of allies out there that want to get this information and want to know this information too. We're so, so glad that you brought it forward because I think it could uh, let people know because we have people listening across the state that it's a small, not an easy thing, but it's a bite-sized thing that each person who's interested could do in their own city or town in partnership, ideally with a local elected official and form that allyship, which could lead to other things too, and then build a better database so that we have more of a pulse on what actually is happening in terms of processing kits. And then really that second takeaway that is gonna stick with me is making sure that people don't have to pay for the kits if they're a victim. And then that third thing, which is really critical is reaching out to make sure that younger people even know that there are kits and how to find them and where to go and to understand um, what the police role is in picking those kits up. This is really critical information. Before we, before we wrap up, I just wanna ask, I wanna circle back to that one interesting thing that you said. So really, you're also a creative artist and you've had this experience as a musician. And being creative is part of what you're doing right now in your new role, which is amazing because you're having a new idea, you're feeling comfortable in that space. Maybe artists sometimes bring that to the table as legislators, as elected officials. Are you still a musician? Are you still, are you singing? Or well, I, I divorced my guitarist and my, my writing partner. <laughs> 
but it's okay. Um, but yes, um, I, with the children, it's hard to get to practice. I Somerville is very, very, we're, we're so out there with, with creativity. And so I feel very much at home here. At, at, like uh, I, can, I can be myself. We have our porch fest every year. And I try to, when I can, I play porch fest. And we have honk fest too. So I am, if I'm, I'm, I'm usually just screaming the lyrics alongside the, the crowd <laughs> in, in regular non-pandemic times. But yes, I, I have been approached by several musicians and they're like, you want to play? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yes. So you are from Somerville. I, I'm originally from Chicago, but yes. Oh, okay. I am, I am home. I love my city. Good. So I go there all the time in summer just to see all the uh, balcony filled with musicians. Oh, I miss it. <laughs> On the other end of COVID, we'll get to see you live. But I mean, for us, it's been amazing to meet you and really feel inspired by your vision of doing things that need to get done. It's going to be exciting to follow your your new job. Oh, thank you. I, 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 I'm, I'm delighted to work alongside you. And thank you for all you're doing. I hope we can talk again soon. Good, good. Awesome.